0: of discernment and the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit opened up something for me that's very big but such a foundation for you to grow who wants to grow in this place this is the only reason we are what we are today is because our focus is to grow and to please him and to walk with him and it's very important very important you know that there's no disco lights here there's no smoke machine here, or smoke can come from heaven. Mm-hmm. But I'm not here to look down or s- speak evil of any, anything that's done outside. We are here purely to know Christ. And the raw word of the Holy Spirit is here. And it can be for anyone who has a desire to know Him, and it's true. So let's, let's look at the scripture that's going to open us, a teaching that's going to open our eyes. Let's have a look. We go to Romans chapter 12. Now, this is important that you read it in context, this scripture. This is from the ESV translation. And look what he's speaking about here. And I I read it. I let let it speak for itself. There are different dimensions of following Christ, right? Which dimension do you want to enter? It's up to you. But the Holy Spirit is inviting us for something deeper. Very deep. And this this expects or your attention so let's read it Romans 12 1, it says I, I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercy of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship right so what is he speaking about here what you can do for Christ, or what he wants to do inside of you. What is he speaking about here? He says, by the mercy of God, to present yourself as a living sacrifice. So here he's <coughs> speaking about, probably one of the greatest ways you can worship God is through the scripture Here is understanding this here that we are all living sacrifices because of Jesus at the cross. But he is telling us what is acceptable to God. Okay, let's get to the next scripture. It's the punchline. The next scripture is the punchline. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God now this is the three levels the three levels of a of a believer's life it's here that you may discern the will of God what is good acceptable perfect wouldn't you like to know (laughs) what this actually means There are three dimensions of becoming a living sacrifice to Christ. Wouldn't you like to know what that actually means? And what is God trying to impart to us? So there are three levels that a person can walk in. And you would would think the first level of what is good, what does it actually focus on? What does God focus on on the first level of, of what is good in His standard and in His view? What is actually God trying to say? And I'm going to explain it today. Just the first level. Now, isn't it interesting that in, in, in the epistles of John, it says, Be perfect just as your Father is perfect. Right? Right? So that's one level, just giving you a scripture. It says, find out what is acceptable to the Lord. So there is scriptures that suits every level that God wants to uh, invest in us. And when you understand this, the Bible becomes like a puzzle. And you begin to find out how to actually get there. So let's have a look here. Are we ready for this teaching? Holy Spirit took me here. And I'm not a person that says, Holy Spirit this, Holy Spirit that. Holy Spirit took me here. And it's true. For one reason, what? For, one, for what reason? It's to mature you. The Holy Spirit's... Uh So hungry for him to mature, believers for Christ. That's when Jesus truly gets the glory, right? Is when you're actually mature. Then he has a vessel that he can actually work with, right? So let's have a look. He'll bless you, this teaching. (coughs) So let's see what the word good means in the Strong's uh, 18. So it's, it's the Greek 18 from the Esod. Whoever is following, please play attention here. So <coughs> the word "good" is agathos. Agathos. Is yes, good. Thank the Lord. <laughs> Thank the Lord. <laughs> so the word "good" is agathos. That's the first level of how our worship becomes true to god and agathos it defines as the first word being upright pleasant honorable distinguished agreeable joyful happy and productive now there are there are there are amazing teachings around this scripture here, but I'd like to speak about, the Holy Spirit took me to the one upright, now does anyone know what the opposition of being upright is, does anyone know here the opposition of what it means to be upright or the enemy of being upright, you can can call it out, what's that sorry? So in the sight of God. Uh Destructive? Destructive. What's that? Corrupt. 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 What's that? Depressed, down. Wicked? Wicked. Close. Destructive. Wicked close. Very close. If you want to put a one word in evil, what would you say it is? Very close. Sin? Oh, I'm going to get sin. Five more, I'm going upstairs. <laughs> no, I'm so, so, if, so, if you don't know, you know or you don't know. <laughs> 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 so, if there's one word, huh? Shifty? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very close. Come on untrustworthy wicked demonic it's good i wish i could say yes <laughs> <laughs> one word <laughs> dishonorable deceitful what holds them all together what's that, pride you got it pride Lavinia got it. Pride. So isn't it interesting? The first area, what is good in God's eyes, the opposition or the enemy is pride. And you're going to see another level or another dimension of what it means to be proud or being prideful. And how it blocks you from maturing to the next step. Now, it's very important that you see it because then you can begin to navigate with the Holy Spirit um, how, he, how those things can be addressed inside of you. Very important. Isn't it interesting how pride began? I, was, I wasn't going to speak about it, but I'll speak about it a little bit. In a nutshell... If I want to give a definition for being prideful, it's what the serpent done to Eve. Where he made her believe that God is withholding something good from her. And as a result, she believed that she had to withhold something from God to take it in her own hands. Does that make sense, everyone? Isn't it interesting that being prideful doesn't begin with an open rebellious rebellion in, towards God, where the serpent has made you believe that God's withholding something good from you? Isn't it interesting that why we don't give all our life to Christ is because we believe the whisper of the serpent, where he's made us believe that God is withholding good from us? And I really believe so many people don't surrender to Christ because they've believed that God hasn't their best interest for them. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? That we don't give everything to God because we believe that God doesn't have the best interest for us. Isn't that right? The, that's Satan's tactic. he done it to the first human beings. And uh, he tricked them to, to make them withhold or try to get their own understanding or their own wisdom or their own choices without God. Isn't that interesting? How many people have believed here that God is withholding something good from them? then they begin to close certain areas in their life where they are dictating. Yes? Makes sense? Isn't it interesting that being prideful doesn't look evil? You may think you're actually trying to protect yourself, but you're blocking God from your life. Isn't that interesting? Amen. So isn't it interesting that being prideful doesn't look evil in the beginning it looks like you're trying to protect yourself in this life which becomes a barrier between you and the Lord so I just wanted to share that with you so what's good in God's eyes is you're going to find out today and what a wake up call for every believer here so, the enemy of being good is pride, or being prideful, or proud. Let's go to Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, so I can back up what I'm saying. So, behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him. You see how pride and the opposition of being prideful, Is being upright. His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. So let's go to another scripture quickly. James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse (coughs) 6. The internet wants to start again, or, or the enemy, which one? James, yeah, uh, good, you got it. So James chapter four, verse six, I- if there's something you have to pay attention to, it's today. Because here, it's speaking about God resisting his people, though he doesn't want to. God doesn't want to resist his people. But if we've taken the, the snare of the enemy, unfortunately we've put a hedge between our Lord he doesn't want to resist he only has plans to prosper you and not to harm you to give you a hope in the future it's very important you know this if there's any scriptures that I want to know in the Bible where God is blocked from your life I I want to search it out because I don't want to become that person right it's true (coughs) So he gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Okay, so let's get into the meat now. Not yet, but it's going to get a bit intense. So, the word proud, the word proud is from the Strong's 5244. And the word is (laughs) Huparefanos. <laughs> so that that's a song actually. Is that a song? Huparefanos. <laughs> 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 that's the word. Is that is that right? Yes, I'm not sure what So the first bit? Okay, so it's close, it's close. It's enough. So <laughs> who So please let's focus please. <coughs> This is the this is the this level is where most of the believers are in this level and they're fighting with this level. So the word proud defines as showing oneself above others with with an overweening estimate estimate of one's means or merits, despising others or even treating them with contempt, haughty, John said haughty, haughty meaning arrogant or superior. Now this is very simple but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to another dimension about how you can see pride inside of you. Are we ready? I don't know how I get here, but every week, somehow, somehow, the Holy Spirit unlocks a level for you to see inside of you. So let's have a look here. What are the characteristics of a prideful person? Now there are some, or there are some that you're gonna see, or a pattern in you that you're gonna see inside of you, but this is for one major purpose is to establish what it means to be good. But if if what what it means to be good is not established in you from seeing the other side of how much you filled it and fed it in your life, then how can it actually be broken from you? Very important. You can see all the good characteristics of God, but imagine you're not seeing pride inside of you. Like I said, how did pride begin? It didn't sound evil. It didn't sound evil. In a way, it works to actually protect you but it ends up being a barrier between you and the Lord. Now, let's have a look here. Please hold your breath. This is probably the biggest one. The biggest tool of pride is the first one that I'm going to speak. And I'm not going to get people to guess because it's pretty intense. Now, this is probably the biggest one of pride that so many people struggle with. And the word is insecure. The first one, the first enemy, or the greatest friend of pride, is a person who's insecure. So insecure, if I was to diagnose it, it's, a, it's lacking confidence or trust or failure to trust God. If I can put it in a nutshell, I don't want to speak about it. I can write pages about it. But that's not what I want to do today. It's the first one that every believer struggles with. Insecure. And you would say, well, I never saw that. It's actually pride. Next one. Boastful. Boastful defines as trying to, make, trying to make their accomplishments or skill seem greater than they actually are. Now, I'm just bringing it to you, and we go a different direction. Self-righteousness is related to legalism, which is the idea that we can somehow generate Within ourselves, a righteousness that will be acceptable to God. Probably the second biggest one from pride is a controlling person. And you'll see traces of it husband and wife, children, friends, church, yourself but I'm just bringing it to you. So (coughs) we want to focus, can we go back on that good, acceptable? We want to focus on what is good and what is is acceptable and perfect. Isn't it interesting? The first area is a major area. So controlling people, (coughs) are actually being controlled usually by fear, temptation, or pride, and anger. We go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. I want to take this very slowly. Isn't it interesting that so many people who walk in anger, it's normally birthed by Control. They are controlling people. And let me tell you something God done a major work in me regarding this. And I'll be honest, I had so many traces and roots of control which produced anger, which produced disappointment. Now, look what it says here. <coughs> Isn't it interesting how the scripture is put together to speak about what I'm speaking about now? It says, Let the peace of Christ, the inner calm of one who walks daily with him, be the controlling factor in your hearts, deciding and settling questions that arise. To this peace indeed you were called as members in one body of believers and be thankful to God always. So isn't isn't it interesting here that control, control, or sorry, walking with Christ daily is the result of every question settled in you that the world brings, that your own flesh brings, and that the enemy brings. So I keep going. I wrote a page about it uh, that next one. And I thought to myself, I can't I can't give him a shallow answer. <coughs> and they they're pretty big. The next one is being power hungry. So being power hungry, we go to Romans, oh sorry. sorry, so what are signs that you are a power hungry person and what does it actually mean? It means that you look for wrong and weakness in people who disagree with you, meaning you feel more powerful and more in charge when you can tear people down. Next one, and this is a big one, and this is for all the people in the ministry. Ready? Your public life is more important than your private life. It's probably the biggest one in the ministry here. How, how many people try to hide when I sit with them so I don't see them in a different way? Meaning they don't want their status to be uh, devalued. But let me tell you something. God done the same work in me. There was like a rubbish tip inside of me that Christ had to work with. And uh, those walls went down in my heart because that's how Christ works with everyone. But isn't it interesting that a power-hungry person would be more interested in how people see them in their public life more than their private life and how Christ sees them. Next one. You can speak to you. You speak critically about people who hold the position that you want. Now Some will, some will speak to you, some will not. Maybe none of them will speak, I don't know. <coughs> you invest in people who support your position only. That's how you protect your power. People who, who only depend on you and look up to you. Next one. You network only with people who can help you gain position or a high status. Go to Romans twelve sixteen for that one, please. Now there's another one coming that we'll speak so much. Romans twelve sixteen. Look how Christ dealt with that. Uh, could we go up, please? Now look at this here. It says, Romans twelve sixteen. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, conceited, self-important, exclusive. But associate with humble people, those with a realistic view. Do not overestimate yourself. Now, like I said, I'm trying to... Uh, expose the hidden pride. Pride that looks like it's actually protecting you. Or traits of pride that you've operated all your life in and you don't even know it's pride. But for good to be established, this has to be exposed, right? Remember, this teaching is not to hooray and praise the Lord. This is to see. And then you can really rejoice when those stains of pride have actually left you next one is a very big one are you ready perfectionist now <laughs> just please pay attention slowly i'll take it slowly 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 People who are perfectionists. Wow. Does that even exist? Sure does. <laughs> Let's have a look. This teacher will bless you. You will see another dimension that, or another place that has to be brought to the line. Amen? So people who operate in this way, now I'm diagnosing the problem too. People who are perfectionist people operate in this way often have a hard time understanding God's love, understanding God's grace, and understanding God's forgiveness towards them. The three things. Now please listen to this, what I just said to you. The reason why people are perfectionists, they struggle to understand God's love, grace, and forgiveness. it's because we feel like we haven't done enough or been good enough. Now we're rattling the cage a bit. Now don't ask me how I got here, but I got here. Now listen to this. Being perfectionist convinces us that anything less than excellent is not good enough. Just pay attention to this statement. Being perfectionist convinces us that anything less than excellent is not good enough. Sadly, perfectionism blocks our relationship with God. And it's true. Now I'm going to give you some examples. (laughs) these are some examples of being a perfectionist person I expect all work to be done without error next one it's important to analyze how everything can be done better I have to excel at everything I do I must always be in the best condition. It's not good to ask for help. That means I'm not perfect. I'm just... People actually do that. Let me keep going, please. This is a big one. Okay, a very big one. I find myself stuck sometimes when things can't be made perfect. Remember, I'm talking about pride here. Another big one. I prefer to work on my own so that I can control the outcome. (laughs) Another very big one. That connects to something else, but I'm not going to really speak about that. It's a good thing to point out other people's mistakes because they need to know. <laughs> <laughs> you like that one? <laughs> I'm, I got. Uh, can someone get my hard hat from my car, please? <laughs> so no I don't want to say this then they can see me properly thank the Lord Jesus for this because let me tell you something I know who took me here I'm just watering it down (laughs) it's a good thing to point out other people's mistakes because they need to know another very big one I often find myself disappointed with other people. Wow. Another big one for parents, including myself. If my children don't do well in life, I will seem to be a bad parent. Okay. Well, I'll give one more definition. Next one, and a very big one, a people pleaser. Now make sure everyone takes notes of, take photos of these notes today. A people pleaser, now please pay attention here because I'm going to show you where it enters from. A person who has an emotional need to please others, often at the expense of his own or her own needs to desire, meaning there is a lack. So I'll read it out again. A person who has an, Im- in an emotional need to please others, often at the, at the expense of his or own needs to desire, meaning there is a lack. Next one. If you grew up in a home with difficult emotional, unstable family, or even unavailable parents or separated parents, you may have unconsciously picked up the pattern of people-pleasing in an attempt to fill the void of feeling empty or separated or loved. I repeat it again. If you grew up in a home with a difficult, emotionally unstable family or even an unavailable parent or separated parents, you may have unconsciously picked up the pattern of people-pleasing in an attempt to fill that void of feeling empty or separated or unloved. Now, I'm not going to give definitions for this. I'm just going to keep going. I'll maybe speak about the last one. So number eight, being judgmental. Number nine, being rebellious. Number ten, a very big one, ungrateful. Probably the biggest one is a person who's ungrateful. And lastly, comparing each other. Now I'd like to speak a little bit about this because I want to expose it. We go to Second Corinthians, chapter 10. Verse 1 to 12. Now, out of this whole scripture, there is a danger here. Okay? Because comparing each other leads to either devaluing the other person who you're comparing yourself to. Or allows you to attack the other person who you're comparing yourself to. So it ends up in being evil. It's not an edification. By you comparing yourself to someone else, most likely you're attacking another person's character or another person's life. We get it? And this is what happened with Paul in that scripture. I'll read it out quickly what I wrote because it's important. Paul has shown us that the greatest danger of a hidden pride that hides in a church, this is about a church now, working together. Paul has shown us that the greatest danger of a a hidden pride that hides in a church, that is comparing ourselves to others, which results in degrading others or devaluing others in many ways, which is one of the greatest tools of Satan, Satan, constructing pride within us. And that's our greatest battle against the knowledge of God. In verse 8, before I read it, Paul was boasting about the authority the Lord gave him for one main reason, to build up others and not to tear them down. Verse 9, Paul was saying that others are calling him unimpressive and his speech is of no value because they fell into a danger of being being prideful, which led them to comparing themselves to Paul, which led them to attacking him and degrading him. Now this is more targeted at the church. This here. Comparing ourselves. And this has happened to me since I got saved. And I'm going to read this scripture. By something that I wrote for myself. To give to you. Whether you accept it or not. I want to tell you what I became a victim of. Because there was pride in people's hearts. Where they were led to compare themselves to me because of my position with Christ. Now these are the things that I heard and I'm very aware of this in the church here. Now let's have a look here. This is what I heard when I started to shepherd people and help people. And no one take offence please. It's good to get advice from others as well. You don't always have to ask him, you can ask the Holy Spirit. Make sure you don't idolize him. Make sure you be careful from him. You don't need to tell him everything. They will always bring up things about me that has a negative influence that will cause others to be suspicious, not trusting, always distant, not open, and afraid that I can misguide them. And this is, this is a fight that I've had since day one with believers. And it comes from one thing, being prideful. Comparing, which is one of the greatest forms of the jealousy in the church. And I'd like to bring this up today. Because everything that the Lord gave me is only for one thing, is to build people up. That's it, full stop, nothing else. And these are the things that I heard. Most of those people, they're not here anymore. But they caused trouble with other people and allowed their hearts to be closed. Now, I don't want to give that too much, but let's read that scripture. Now, this is no offense to anyone here, but I just want to open your eyes so you can see that it's not wisdom, it's actually evil. It says, now I, Paul, urge you by the greatness, by the gentleness and graciousness of Christ, I who am meek, so they say when with you face to face, but bold, outspoken, and fearless towards you when absent. I ask that when I do come, I will not be driven to the boldness that I intend to show towards those few who regard us as if we we walked according to the flesh, like men without the spirit. For though we walk in the flesh as mortal men, we are not carrying on our spiritual spiritual warfare according to the flesh and using the weapons of man. Now look what it says here. Isn't it interesting that the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood. Our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. What's the destruction of fortresses? What is he asking you to pull down here? He's pulled down, pulled down pride. And what is the, one of the greatest definitions of pride that hides? Comparing. And this, he speaks about it here. So we are to what? Pull down what? That what does it want to do? It wants to build a fortress he wants to build a building inside of us. Isn't that interesting? That we are, our enemy is pride, and it comes by comparing. And let me tell you something, God will do a lot inside of you if you humble yourself. And we can work in harmony together. But when your eye becomes on man, you forget about what the Holy Spirit wants to do inside of you and that is true your eye becomes fixated on the man look what God's doing with him I better guess what you know how many times I heard it where they tried to keep people away from me because they're scared that I'll take the spotlight from them you know that you know how many people tried to do that to me because they're scared that I'll take the spotlight from them am I interested in that stuff have I ever been interested in that stuff I see people, controlling people, people of being pride, people who compare. Always try to keep people away from them because they've controlled them. And like I said, Paul was boasting in the authority God gave him not to tear anyone down but to build them up. Look at the authority they walked in. They compared themselves to Paul and they degraded him and devalued him. This is a lesson for everyone here. Only speak words to what? (coughs) Only speak words to what? Build each other up and not to tear anyone down. Our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying sophisticated arguments and every exalted and proud thing. Our enemy is pride. That sets itself up against the true knowledge of God and we are taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ, being ready to punish every act of disobedience. When your own obedience as a church is complete. Isn't it interesting now that God wants to work with a church now? He wants to work with a church. And what's what's the enemy of God bringing his church together, being prideful, where you compare yourself, where you start to degrade each other. Isn't that interesting? So the Holy Spirit is slowly, slowly starting to allow us to work together, slowly, very slowly, and he's showing us the enemy here. The enemy of building a church is pride, which compares, which degrades and devalues. And it's not for a personal believer. This is a work for the church. It says, You are looking only at the outward appearance of things. If anyone is confident that he is Christ, he should reflect and consider this, that just as he is Christ, so too we are. For even though I boast rather freely about the authority the Lord gave us for building you up and not to destroy you, I will not be ashamed of the truth nor do I want to seem to be trying to frighten you with my letters. For they say his letters are weighty and forceful and unimpressive, uh, sorry, and impressive, but his his personal presence is unimpressive and his speech is contemptible of no account. Let such people realize that what we say by word in letter when we are absent is the same as we are in action when present." We do, not ha- we do not have the audacity to put ourselves in the same class or compare ourselves with the same who supply testimonials to commend themselves. Now look at this here. It says, We do not have the audacity to put ourselves in the same class or compare ourselves with some who supply testimonials to commend themselves. You know how many times i sat with people and all they speak about what the Lord has done through them? and it has value, don't get me wrong, but look at the deeper picture. A person to go and to share about what God is doing through them, it speaks of something they're lacking inside. They're lacking attention, they're lonely, they're empty. That's how I see it. I have an amazing testimony, and don't get me wrong, I I share it at times, but that's not my fuel. My view is what God is teaching me. And that's very important for everyone to understand. It's what God is actually teaching me. And for a person that always speaks about what God is doing through them, he's, they're trying to commend themselves out of a void or out of a lack. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they lack wisdom and behave like fools. And these are believers he's talking about. And this is not targeted at anyone here. Please. This is so you can be aware. Okay. Next. We go to Luke chapter 6. Verse 35 to 45. Here he he talks about what? What? He talks about a good man and a good tree. Good man and a good tree. Okay? Now look what it says here. Look at the areas that he focuses on. We all want to take that step with the Lord. Look what he actually focuses on. And probably the biggest one here is actually hypocrisy. But I'd like to share it with you. And don't just read the scripture and say, well, we found the word good and it connects. No, look at actually what he's saying. Don't say, well, he's connected the words good and this is the level of teaching. Look at actually what he's saying and see if you actually do it. He says, but love, that is unselfishly, seek the best or higher good for your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return For your reward will be great, rich, abundant and you'll be sons of the Most High because He Himself is kind and gracious and good to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, responsive, compassionate, tender just as your Heavenly Father is merciful. Now this is the punchline here. This is the area that I wanted to focus on here. Now look here. Look here how Christ speaks here. It says, do not judge others self-righteously and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others when you are guilty and unrepentant and you will not be condemned for your hypocrisy. Pardon others when they truly repent and change and you'll be pardoned when you truly repent and change. Give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your into your, into your lap, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over with no space left for more. For with the standard of measurement you use, when you do good to others, it will be measured to you in return. He also, he also told them a parable. Can a blind man guide another blind man? (coughs) Would they not both fall into a hole in the ground? A student is not superior to his teacher, but everyone after he has been completely trained will be like his teacher. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye but do not notice or consider the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, Allow me to take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye. You hypocrite. Play actor, pretender. First take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. For there is no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor on the other hand a bad tree which produces good fruit. For each tree is known and identified by its fruits. For figs are not picked from thorn bushes, nor is a cluster of grapes picked up from a briar bush. They instrictly, good man produces what is good, honorable, and moral out of the good treasure stored in his heart. And they instrictly, evil man produces what is wicked and depraved out of the evil in his heart, for his mouth speaks from the overflow of his heart. Now, isn't it interesting, the area of a good man and a good tree focuses on what? Hypocrisy, condemning people, judging people, and not being merciful towards people. Isn't that interesting? That by the way you're measuring others, God is seen if you're actually doing the same thing in a different way. We go to the next one, uh, Micah chapter 6 verse 8. It says here um, what I wrote here. It says good in the sight of God focuses on act, acting justly, loving mercy, mercy and walking humbly with your God. Now look what it says here. It says he has told he has told you o man what is good And what does the Lord require of you except to be just and to love and to diligently practice kindness, compassion and to walk humbly with your God, setting aside any overblown sense of importance or self-righteousness. You see, the area of what is good and what it actually targets, pride, pride. And once you see it, Once you see it, you will never want to actually operate like this. This is God speaking from Micah. We go to the next scripture, Zechariah chapter 7, verse 9 to 10. This is Zechariah 7, verse 9 to 10. It says, Thus has the Lord of hosts said, Dispense true justice, and practice kindness and compassion to each other, and do not oppress or exploit the widow or the fatherless, the stranger or the poor, and do not devise or even imagine evil in your hearts against one another. So this is the area of good, the first level. And isn't it interesting that the first level God targets is being merciful? Isn't it interesting that the doorway of being merciful is what allows God to keep adding and building you up? Isn't it interesting in the beginning how hypocrisy tries to actually enter our hearts and tries to destroy us in the beginning? Isn't that interesting? That the enemy of pride, the enemy or the first enemy of pride is hypocrisy. And the, and, the, and the opposition of hypocrisy is merciful. Just as your father is merciful. Isn't it interesting that when you're merciful, God can continuously give you a heart like his. But isn't it interesting that the enemy, how he entangles believers, you don't become religious straight away hypocrisy is the doorway for you to become religious isn't that interesting that hypocrisy is the doorway for you becoming religious go to James chapter 2 verse 13 I'm reading a lot of scriptures here just to connect them all together so please don't fall asleep It says here, James 2.13, Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful, mercy triumphs over judgment. So the same way you give mercy, it will be measured back to you. And let me tell you, in the beginning, it's very important that you know this, the enemy of being merciful is being a hypocrite. It's a magnet for the enemy to destroy you. Next one. Good in the sight of God focuses on not being a person who slanders against one another, gossips, being misled, foolish, disobedient, walking in different lusts and pleasures. So let me focus, let me say it again. Good in the sight of God focuses on not being a person who slanders against one another, who gossips against one another, being misled by others, foolish, disobedient, Lust and pleasures. We go to Titus chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. It says here, Remind the believers to submit to the government and to officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. They must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. Instead they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. Once we too were foolish, disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures, our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other. But when God our our Savior revealed his kindness and love, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. So you begin to see, you begin to see uh, how the enemy actually works. And isn't it interesting that hypocrisy is such a dangerous weapon that leads to many other branches that allows you to be poisoned by the Lord, uh, by the enemy, sorry. Good in the sight of God focuses on your behavior. We go to Romans twelve nine, quickly. It says, love is to be sincere and active, the real thing without guile and hypocrisy. Hate what is evil, detest all ungodliness, do not tolerate wickedness. Hold on tightly to what is good. Now you see that scripture, good, acceptable, and perfect. This is the areas that he actually focuses on. Next scripture. Good in the sight of God focuses on unity. We go to Psalms 133, verse 1 to 3. It says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. So you begin to see here that unity, God commands a blessing. But isn't it interesting that one person operates in comparing and hypocrisy can never unite people together. Next scripture. Good in the sight of God focuses on a person who is honest. We go to Proverbs 11.3, please. I'm going to quickly go through these. honesty guides good people dishonesty destroys treacherous people next scripture we go to hebrew hebrew 13:16 please it says here do not neglect to do good to contribute to the needy of the church and as an expression of fellowship for such sacrifices are always pleasing to God. Lamentation, chapter 3, Lamentation, chapter 3, verse 25. Now look what it is saying. This is important here, this scripture. Well, they're all important, but this is very powerful. It says here, the Lord is good to those who wait confidently for Him. To those who seek him on the authority of God's word. Very important description. We go to the next one Psalms 119, verse 65 to 67. It says here, You have dealt with your servant, O Lord, according to your promise. Teach me good judgment discernment and knowledge for I have believed and trusted and relied on your commandments before I was afflicted I went astray but now I keep and honor your word with loving obedience and finally we go to Philippians 1 verse 6 everyone's quoted this scripture now we actually know what it means Everyone has quoted this scripture that everything works out for the good, for those who love Him. Now we know what actually good means. When we operate in the level of being good in the sight of God, which is what I just shared, and many more others, we learn that everything good works out for those who actually cooperate with Him. Now look what it says here. It says, I am convinced and confident of this very thing, that He who has begun a good work in you will continue to perfect and complete it until the day of Christ Jesus, the time of his return. Now, isn't it interesting that he who has begun the level of good that I just shared about, not just a good work, like God called you good and you started walking. No, he's talking to you about the level of being good in the standard of his word. Do we get that? We understand that now? And isn't it interesting that the greatest enemy, what can you get from it? The greatest root of pride was all those points that I shared. But what is it? What is the two major ones? Hypocrisy is the greatest danger that allows everything to rot inside of you. And what is the first attack of pride that the enemy brings to people? Comparing and hypocrisy. Comparing and hypocrisy. And all the rest of the fruits grow and poisons everything that's inside of you. So isn't it interesting that the first level of being good, the opponent, is pride. So for all those people that read those points that I gave, I really believe the Holy Spirit gave you such a depth to understand what pride actually means. Yes? So we'll pray now. I think I said enough. I think I said enough. (laughs) So a lot of people tell me, uh, what's the true meaning of being prideful? You got a taste of it today. You got a taste of it to see the pattern or the traces inside of you. This is a teaching so you can see. This is a teaching so you can begin to see uh, the greatest hidden opponent so you can actually come out of it. Amen? Jesus wants you to come out of it. But how can you come out of something you don't see? Isn't that right? How can you come out of something you don't see? Please understand. Understand. This is the Holy Spirit's work. He wants to bring to your attention all those things that has robbed you from having a true uh, encounter and fellowship with God. Please understand. There's no such thing as a good message, the Holy Spirit message, to let you see the enemy. And like I said, the way he got Eve, he didn't come with horns and he didn't come with darkness. He came... To make, He came to show her God's character, that there's a deficiency with him. Right? Satan comes to you, talking to you about God's character. He doesn't speak about himself. He speaks about God's character. He attacks God's character. So when we withhold something from us, we are actually attacking God's character from Satan. Do we get that? when we listen to the enemy, when we withhold our life from God, we are worshipping Satan and attacking God's character. So open your hands. Remember, God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. We thank you, Father, through your Son Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, I welcome you here. You come to set the captives free, Lord. And what we can do in a lifetime, you do in a moment. I pray for your grace to come to break the yoke of pride. Because publicly, You triumphed over them by the cross. And today we step in the authority of the finished work of the cross. Holy Spirit, I bless this place. And every place that comes to receive your freedom. The freedom that you purchased us before the foundation of the universe. I thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, I ask you that you remove those traces and the roots of pride that has destroyed true worship for you. I pray this prayer, Lord, that you release us all from any traces or any deep roots of pride that has been hidden in us for a very long time. I pray for your mercy, Lord, and your grace your good grace to come and to free us today thank you lord i pray that you free us lord so that our worship can be true to you thank you lord this prayer pleases the lord and as a result the holy spirit comes Thank you, Lord. We enter your throne of grace by the sprinkling of the blood to receive mercy in time of need. Where we can find help and receive mercy and grace in time of need. I pray, Lord, as a body, as a church, Lord, you remove the stains of pride that has spoiled your true creation. Thank you. Holy Spirit, you're the one that does it. And we welcome you here, Lord, to free us. We come with an open heart and we come as we are. And I ask that you free us today from every level of pride, even a pride that's tried to protect us and watch out for us. You remove every level of pride by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Receive it. Open your hearts. This matters so much to God. Open your hearts. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. It's not by might, not by strength, but by your Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, Freedom, liberty, free us from every evil work. We receive it today by faith. Thank you, Lord. saw traces of these things that I spoke about in you, thank the Lord and begin to open your heart and begin to cooperate with him so you can be a true vessel a pure vessel to the Lord Amen, this is true this is true everything I spoke about is true he wants you to be free he doesn't want you to live on hype or emotion he wants you to leave on his true humility on true uprightness from God so forever and ever you can be free amen he's willing and he will help you the Bible says even if your heart fails you God is the strength of your heart hallelujah even if all things fail you and those things that I read were so overwhelming, He is the strength of your heart. So come as you are. Don't try to fix yourself, then come. You come and He fix you. Amen. So don't be overwhelmed or scared what I said today. Thank God that He's brought it into the light. So, if people want to pray, I will pray. But, most of all, listen to what I said. The teaching that exposed the enemy. That exposed the fruits and characteristics of the enemy. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Okay. Whoever wants to worship the Lord, you're free to stay. Please, no noise while we're praying. Thank you. Yeah. So if you if you want to talk, please. We have so much room outside. If you want to sit in the presence of God, you're more than welcome to.